It's the night of July 4th, and since free agency started on June 30th at 6 p.m., the Detroit Pistons have yet to make one single free agent signing. What's going on, and should Pistons fans be upset about this? We're going to talk about all of that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. Later on the podcast, we'll talk about what exactly is the Detroit Pistons plan for the rest of this offseason, for this upcoming season. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. And also, will Kay Cunningham win most improved player of the year? We'll talk about that too later on the podcast. Um, I apologize for the last few days not having a podcast up. I told you guys, if you guys didn't uh, listen to the podcast last week, me and my wife, we went on uh, uh went off the grid in an off-the-grid cabin kind of thing for our anniversary, our 10-year anniversary. So I have been gone for the last four days, but I am now back. You guys got episodes every single day moving forward. I appreciate you guys understanding. Um, But I was kind of expecting, by the time I got back, um, actually not kind of, definitely expecting, that when we got back from our little vacation uh, celebrating, that I would come back to a few free agent signings. I'd come back maybe to the Pistons trying to get Cam Johnson. I come back to the Pistons, maybe going after one of the lower key guys, maybe a Utah Watanabe, maybe a Kelly Oubre, maybe um, a PJ Washington, maybe a Grant Williams, maybe one of those guys. I thought the Pistons, I for sure would be coming back at this time to the Detroit Pistons, making a signing of some sort. However, I'm recording this on the night of the 4th of July. Happy 4th of July, everybody. And the Pistons have yet to make a single free agent sign. I'm not counting the little two-way signs they made of like, undrafted free agents that they've done given a two-way contract to guys like that. I'm not counting that. They've yet to make a free agent signing. How should the Detroit Pistons fans feel about this? So I guess before we talk about how fans should feel about this, we should talk about how they've decided to use their cap instead. Now I touched on this a little bit on the last episode because I did, I was able to record an episode Friday night and they had just made the moves um, for Joe Harris and literally live on that podcast, they made a trade for Monty Moore. So I didn't really get to get, give like my real like gathered thoughts on it. Um, but what they've decided to do, it seems like they've taken on Joe Harris's contract for nothing. They traded nothing back for that. So he took up 19, $20 million at the cap room. And then they traded for Monty Morris and ate all of his salary as well from the Washington wizards. So overall what the Pistons have decided to do here is they obviously viewed this free agency class as not too strong. And, and I can confirm that the, the interest in Cam Johnson 100% was, was legit. But I'm telling you right now, there's no reason Troy Weaver makes that deal with Brooklyn that freed up some of their cap space if he didn't know already that they were going to match whatever he threw at Cam Johnson. He doesn't do that unless he knows after speaking. Because, look, I've told you guys this before. Just because free agency starts on July th- or June 3rd, or not June 3rd, June 30th at 6 p.m., 
doesn't mean these these GMs don't know what's going on. Don't have a maybe not. They maybe don't know exactly what's going on, but they have a good feel of things. They talk to people. Agents talk. People talk. They they know they have a good grasp of what's going on. And I have to assume that Troy Weaver had a good grasp that look we're we're not going to get Cam. They're going to match anything we send out for Cam. And the amount that we'd have to go for Cam Johnson, we're not comfortable doing. So their plan B, it seems like, actually not seems like, it very is apparent, that they decided to take on contracts, get some assets back, and just use their cap space in the trade market instead. And with Joe Harris, they got two second-round picks. Um, I mean, I was on here talking about how this would be my plan B to take on contracts for a first-round pick. Maybe a Ben Simmons, who the Brooklyn Nets are now trying to move off of in a potential Damian Lillard trade. Now, if they could have gotten Ben Simmons for like maybe a first or two two first, I would have loved that. But nonetheless, Joe Harris for two second-round picks without giving up anything, that move in of itself, really good move. Getting Monty Morris, who is going to be a really good backup point guard for the Detroit Pistons. He's going to fill a need. He can shoot the ball from Michigan, all, all that stuff. He's going to fill a really good need for the Pistons. The move in and of itself, good move. And this is this is like... It's, it's what makes, like, talking about some of some of Weaver's moves, like, tough. Because my friend, my friend Joe Truck, who you guys, you, you guys, when I first took over this podcast, you guys found me over at the Hashtag Pistons podcast where he hosts his. Um, we've had him guest on the podcast before. But he put out a tweet um, and a thread talking about Weaver's moves, and it, it was really accurate. Um so, like, the moves in of themselves, like, if you just isolate those moves in a vacuum, yeah, they're fine moves. But when you put them all together, it's 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 just, it's not as much of a, I wouldn't say, like, for example, I wouldn't say the Pistons have had a great offseason thus far. Because, again, yes, getting Joe Harris for nothing is fine. Getting Monty Morris is fine for nothing. Like, th- both those guys should be at least rotational players. Definitely Monty Morris. I don't know about Joe Harris. But while getting those guys... For free, basically, I guess. You're paying their contract. But basically giving them for free. What the Pistons have not done, I believe their defense has gotten worse with those signings. I know there's some people that believe their defense actually got better. I'm not betting on a a rookie, Asar Thompson, and a rookie, Marcus Sasser, turning this defense around and expecting a second-year Jalen Duren at 19 years old to take this crazy leap defensively is like expecting him to be Dwight Howard, basically. And look, maybe we hope that's the case. And if that does happen, great. But expecting guys to go from year one to year two, making the same jump Dwight Howard did, one of the best players ever, it, you just can't, can't, you can't put that kind of expectations on guys. So I'm not going, I don't expect Jalen Duren to make up for a lot of the defensive weaknesses. And I don't expect rookies to make big impacts on defense. And if this team, which is the biggest issue I have so far with their free agency, and I guess I should have said this from the get-go. Their free agency and offseason is not over. They, there's going to be some moves, I feel like. At least one trade that has to happen to free up some guys. I think Killian Hayes 100% has traded. Um, possibly Bagley as well with them. Maybe Burks with both of them or one of them. But I think a trade is coming. I don't think they're finished. But as it sits right now, both the first two things I just said, and then the main issue is they still don't have a power forward. And if they plan on starting Bojan at the four, their defense is cooked. It's over with. And if they want to start Stu at four, you're basically praying that Stu becomes a, a starting level four in this NBA. Because despite his improvements, or I, I mean, I guess in, in the first 25 games that you've seen him shoot pretty well, he still wasn't a starting level four at that point. Like, when you look at these, 
when you look at the across the NBA, not guys at their, you know, compared to where they're drafted at, like year three, year four, not compared to their age, compared to the actual NBA, when the Pistons are trying to make their steps, Stu was not starting level four last year. So you're basically, if you're starting Stu at four and Boyan at three, you're praying that Stu takes a big jump at four, at the four position, and can stabilize that that part. And I've been on the podcast saying this many times. I think Boyan is a fine player when he has guys that can ma- mask some of his, his deficiencies. Like in Utah, I have a few of you guys comment and say, well, what's wrong with playing U- uh, Boyan at the four? He played the four in Utah. Yeah, he was able to play the four at Utah because he was playing behind or next to arguably the greatest defender of the past 15 years. Like Rudy Gobert is one of those guys. He's one of the best defenders we've seen. He was carrying those teams the de- uh, to the top defense in the league. That's why they were able to get away with it. The Pistons don't have that. And he's much, much older now at this point. He's 34. So just starting Boyan in and of itself, I feel like is going to hurt their defense a ton. I have concerns about Jane Ivey's defense. And then some of the other guys that they've acquired, again, we've talked, we've said this multiple times already, but like I I have, and if you guys hear fireworks going off in the background, I'm sorry. It's the 4th of July. You guys know what happens. Um, and, the, and the main question I have right now with the roster is this. All those other things I mentioned, 100%. But then this is another thing that I still need to be need to have sorted out. Did the Pistons acquire spacing? Yes. They acquired better shooters. But can you make functional lineups with all those guys, with your main guys out there? Like if the Pistons were to run a Cade, Ivy, uh, let's just for the heck of it, for what I'm trying to say here. Let's say they do Cade, Ivy, Joe Harris, Bojan, Jalen Duran. They're getting destroyed in the wings on defense. It's just getting, they're getting destroyed on the wings. Their defense will be trash again. Can they run a lineup with with, with Burks, um, Bojan, and, and, and Harris? Can they run a lineup with both Burks and Bojan and get away with it on defense? Can they get can they run Bojan and, and Harris together and get away with it on defense? Are they going to run Bagley at all? Can they run Bagley with Bojan or Bagley with Harris and get away with it? I Look. I think if they make a trade that maybe gets rid of Bagley and Killian Hayes or Killian Hayes and Burks or Burks and Bagley and then acquire a starting four, I feel a lot better about all this because a starting four puts it all together. If you want to go ahead and start Cade Ivy, if you want to try to start Boyan at the three and then get a legit starting four next to Duran that can space the floor, okay, it starts to make a little bit more sense. If you want to get a starting four for, I don't know, Boyan and Killian or Boyan and Bagley, if you can just get a starting four, the roster will make a lot more sense. But as of right now, I feel like the individual signings or the individual moves themselves, great value trades. I just don't know at this point. I don't know at this point if those moves will translate to you being able to run functional lineups that, that make this team much better on both ends of the floor. Because I understand a lot of people want shooting. I've been begging for defense. And I thought they were going to go out and get it. And right now, they haven't attacked my biggest need for this team, which is defense. They've got, I think they might have gotten worse. And then my second, my second biggest need was power forward. The starting power forward position. And they haven't addressed that either. So I think I can applaud, basically, my final stance with it. So far, four days, what was it, five days in the free agency. I can applaud the value of the moves they made. It was good value. While also saying... I don't know how much better it makes the team because they still haven't addressed my two biggest needs for their offseason. So that's where I'm at right now with it. And I think they're going to make future moves. I, I don't believe that they're done. But as of right now, that's where I stand. I need to see them address their defense. I need to see them acquire a starting four somehow. So 
that's how I feel about all that. Let me know what you guys feel in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. When we come back, what's the Pistons' plan moving forward? What's the plan based off of these moves? What's their plan with the rest of the offseason? What's their plan this upcoming season? We're going to talk about all that and what these moves mean and where are they heading. Try to get an early feel on that. We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over and under to who you think is going to be the first, who's going to get the first home run. All on an app that's safe and secure and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So, so sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, I've turned down my mic volume to try and make up for the fireworks going off in the background. My mic shows that it's not really coming through. If it is, it's coming through a little bit, so... Um, again, if you guys hear that, I apologize. I've tried to make up for it, but you know, I can't really stop everyone in Michigan wanting to pop fireworks on the 4th of July. So is what it is. Um, all right. So I want to talk about, and again, this is, I want to make sure I'm very clear about this. It's very early in the off season. Still summer league hasn't even started. It's only been four days of free agency. So there are, they can still make many more moves. They can make a few more trades. Heck they could get out and make another free agent sign. They still have around $6 million in cap, I believe. They have the first in waiver right now, and Bull Bull was just released. They did trade for Bull Bull last year. Do they want to pick him up as the first in waiver line? Maybe they do. Like, there's stuff that they can do. It's very early in the offseason. I'm not trying to say that they are finished right now. I want to make that very clear right now. But based off what they've done thus far and the moves that they've made and what I believe they could signal, what is their plan this offseason? What is Troy Weaver's plan this offseason? and moving forward into this season. Well, um, I think one thing is very clear. They want they wanted to go he- heavy vets. They wanted to get a lot of vets in the in the in the room. Um I talked about at the end of the season that I thought this team didn't need to get rid of any of their young guys. They could have kept playing all of their young guys. And as long as they got a starting level four and addressed their wing situation on wing defense, I thought they could make a jump next year with Cade Healthy. Obviously, it doesn't seem like that's what they're doing. Because right now, it's going to be hard. I think it's 100% sure that Killian Hayes gets traded. I think it's 100% or not 100%. Let me not say that. 100% Killian Hayes gets traded. And right now, it's hard to see where Isaiah Livers is getting minutes. Who, look, I've said this before. I'm going to continue to go down with it. I think Isaiah Livers would just fit better with the starting lineup than any of the other wings the Pistons have outside of Asar Thompson. Simply because they need somebody who can do things on both ends of the floor. Again, Bojan brings incredible value offensively, but his defense is so bad at this age that I just don't know if it's like a net positive on this team. On any other team that has like a functional defense and older guys, yes, I think he would be fine. But on this team, I just don't know. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if his spacing is worth it, basically. Joe Harris, same thing. Um, 
I mean, if you want to count Alec Burks, I think Alec Burks a little bit more. It, it, you can get away with it a little bit more. But I don't consider Alec Burks a wing anyway. So Isaiah Livers, I want him to get mega minutes because I think he fits the best right now with all, with what you need next to Cade, what you need next to Ivy, what you need next to Asar. I think he's the best fit. I hope he gets a lot of minutes. But right now it looks hard to try to find him minutes. You got Joe Harris, Boyan, Bagley, Stu. Those are four guys at the three and four position. And that's not even – actually, Asar Thompson, that's five. And then you throw Livers in, that's six. Well, like, what's going on? Where's the minutes going to come from? So it looks like that they've decided to go at this moment pretty heavy on vets. Now, they may not play Joe Harris. Isaiah Livers may beat him out. Joe Harris may just ride the bench. Who knows? But they definitely have went pretty – I feel like they've, they've shown that with the hiring of Monty Williams, they want some vets in, in, in the building. They want to get even more vets. I thought they had fine enough vets. But they got some more. And Monty Morris, who's been around, been in the league for a second. And then also Joe Harris, who's been around and been in the league for a minute. So that was one thing. I think that was part of their plan. Another part of their plan seems to be this. And this, again, this is something that I agree with with Troy Weaver. I just like, I would like to see the rest of the plan, my plan, I guess. I, I, it doesn't have to be Troy Weaver's plan. But I would like to see the rest of my plan completed before I feel good about the team. But that doesn't mean I can't feel good about other aspects of it. And this is one of them. Troy Weaver has decided that this free agency class, which I agree with, is not that strong. And if he wasn't going to be able to get Cam, there was no one else he really wanted to overpay for that was going to make a real difference on this team without capping your, 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 your cap sheet. Now, they could have overpaid for a guy and still would have been fine on the cap sheet for like two or three years. But if they overpaid for like a mid guy, he didn't bring the type of value you'd like, then his value would be decreased on the open market or on the trade market. So what Troy Weaver has decided to do is he's taking on contracts, expiring contracts, contracts with team options on the second year, not long contracts at all, to fill up his cap space. And then, so he's then equipped potentially down the road, which again, we'll have to see if it actually happens, but to be equipped at any point, to match salaries and to provide players on good deals to swing at guys. to get a, If someone were to ask out or if the new CBA were to force a guy to have to get traded. So the Pistons can be players in that market. For example, if a team is trading... I, I really don't like using this example because I don't want the Pistons to go after him. I don't know if he would be a great fit. But let's just, let's just use this example, okay? Let's say the Boston Celtics decide, you know what, we're trading, we're trading Jalen Brown. We, we, we don't, we're not trying to rebuild. We got Jason Tam, we got Christos Porzingis, but we want to get rid of Jalen Brown. The Pistons, I don't think they would have the best package. I still don't think they would have the best package because I think they need picks. While I can agree with what Weaver's doing with this aspect of trying to fill out trade package, they still need picks. But the Pistons could throw something like, they have a Boyan, who's a good player on a good contract that can help Boston. They could throw in Monty Morris, who's another good player that would help Boston, that, you know, is on a good contract, good value contract. Alec Burks, another good player, veteran guy who would help them win now on a good contract. Those are three guys that combined for a salary of like $38 million, I believe. So, like, that that's what it seems like Weaver's trying to do, and I completely agree with it. You want to get bargain bargain contracts on good players, so when you want to go trade for guys, you have guys that can fill in that cap that teams want. They have some of those with Boyan, with Alec Burks, 
with um, Monty Morris. Uh, I don't think it's the same thing with Joe Harris. I think Joe Harris, they had, obviously, Brooklyn had to move two second-round picks with him just to get off his contract. But maybe at the trade deadline, maybe it's expiring, it's viewed as a positive, team wants to get off some salary. Like, Weaver is keeping, I guess the why, I guess the best word for it is that he's keeping flexibility wide open. The Pistons are extremely flexible at this point moving forward with their cap sheet in potential trades. The only thing that's stopping them from being completely 100% flexible in any way is the fact they owe a first-round pick to the New York Knicks, which if the Pistons really wanted to, if there was a trade they wanted to make, which I think that's eventually what they're building towards, Troy Weaver said after the draft, I believe, or right before the draft, that the new CBA is going to present opportunities for them to have to be able or be ready to capitalize on. I think that's what they're trying to do here. They're trying to build enough assets, enough equity, enough contracts that are, you know, good contracts that teams are going to want to go after those guys. But they need picks. If they want to get off their first-round pick that's owed to New York, they could just take the protections off. Like, for example, if they, again, if they wanted to trade for Jalen Brown, I don't want them to do this. We're not being serious here, okay? Let's, don't take me literal with this. But if they were to try to trade for Jalen Brown, they could go to New York and be like, hey, we're, we want to take the protections off the pick this year. We'll throw you like a second or two seconds to, you know, for your time. We're going to take the protections off. We'll owe you it this year. So now they can trade their 25 first-round pick, 26, 27, 28, 29. Now they don't have the protections on it. So if that's something that they eventually want to do, they can do that. And right now they do have the contracts that make sense and the players on those contracts that seemingly make sense. Um, I still don't believe they have the great, the greatest trade package out there. I think they still need to do more. But for me, it feels like that's what their plan is right now. Who that player is, when that swing's coming, I think it's coming soon. I don't know if it's going to happen during the season. I think maybe next offseason it happens. But it seems like that's what they're building towards. They're trying to get ready for it. They're trying to build the assets up. I wouldn't be su- surprised if they make that swing during this season. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they do. It makes sense. It, it, the timeline is lining up based off these moves they've made and based off some of the contracts on their roster that they've kept instead of trying to move off of for picking that last draft. It look, It's starting to line up that that could be something they do. They take a swing during the season in the trade. So... We'll see what they do, but that's what I believe their plan is right now. They've foregone free agency. There's not going to be great free agents in free agency no more. Everyone's signing extensions. You need to make the big improvements through trades, and it looks like that Troy Weaver is really trying to prep up for trades. So that's why I believe their plan is right now. But let me know what you guys think about that in the comment section down below or over on Twitter, at Hill. When we come back, I want to talk with you guys about Kay Cunningham possibly winning most improved. Player of the year? You know, I wanted to say Kay Cunningham winning most viable player of the year. But, you know, we're probably about five, seven years away from that. Five to seven years away, you know. It's going to take some time for Kay to get there. He'll get there, though. Don't worry about it. He'll get there. But can Kay win most improved player of the year this upcoming season? We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, you guys got to hear from some of our lovely sponsors. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So our friends over at FanDuel, this podcast is sponsored by FanDuel, this episode. Our friends over at FanDuel have the betting favorites for most improved player of the year next year right now. 
They got the favorite right now is Mikel Bridges at plus 650. And coming in at second place is our guy, our face of the franchise, Cade Cunningham at plus 1,200. So, can Cade win most improved player of the year next year? Yes. And honestly, I think he should be the overall favorite. I think he should be easily the favorite here. I think he's going to do it. Like, I almost want to make the prediction right now that he wins most improved player of the year next year. And you're probably asking, well, Koo, why do you think he's going to win most improved player of the year? Well, because Cade only played 12 games this past season. Everyone's forgotten about Cade. Everyone. Everyone's forgotten about Cade. They talk like Cade doesn't exist. And because, let me just read this for you guys real quick. Because of the final game Cade played, we, he clearly didn't look 100%. He played against Boston. He didn't look 100%. He didn't look right. Because of his last game against Boston, his t- overall 12 games this past season don't look as good. 41%, 27% from three, 19, 19 points a game. But if you take off that final game and go over the first 11, not the full 12, but just the first 11, 43% from the field, 31% from three, 83% from the free at the line, 21 points, six assists, six and a half assists, six and a half rebounds, a steal a game. That was what he was looking like he was trying to do his second season in the NBA. I think that's what he would have continued to do throughout his second season if he wasn't hurt. But he got he, he was hurt, had to miss the whole season. People, not only are people forgetting about Cade, people are sleeping on Cade. And this past season, the numbers that he's going to improve on really shouldn't be that bad because he shouldn't have played that last game against Boston. So this next season, I can see Cade averaging 23, 23, 7, and 6 on like 42, 43% shooting and 31, 32% from deep. Something like that. That win, most improved player of the year for the Pistons winning like, what, 34, 35 games and improvement from the 17 wins? Yes. Yes, that would do it. That would do it. Along with his defense, his overall improvements next year. Yes. I think Cage should be the favorite right now to win most improved player of the year. Everyone's forgotten about him. Everyone's forgotten about him. But he's going to put the world on the map next season. He's going to put the world on the map. He's going to let everybody know. You guys shouldn't have forgotten about me. Y'all shouldn't have forgotten about me. It's crazy some of the disrespect he's getting. So, it, like, the storyline's already built in there. Former number one overall pick. People forgot about him. People haven't been pay- paying attention to him. Coming off an injury, what's he going to do? He comes in, plays really good, leads this team to an 18-win improvement, 35 wins over uh, compared to 17 next, last season. Like, the storyline's there. He got the storyline. The narrative is going to be there for him. And then the numbers, the numbers will be there too because Cade's going to be an awesome next season. So, I think Cade should be the favorite. Mikael Bridges, I don't see why Mikael Bridges is really the favorite because we saw what he did in Brooklyn. Like, we already saw him improve, make that jump. So if he averages the same, I mean, I mean, maybe if he averages like 27 a game like he did in Brooklyn, I believe he averaged like 26 and a half. But like, still, you saw him do it in Brooklyn, so it's not like it would be some crazy thing or some big different thing you see him do this year. We already saw him do it. Cage is going to do stuff next season that people didn't think he could do anymore, that people didn't think he could do just because he got hurt and has been out of the light, and he plays in Detroit. So, I think Cage going to win most improved player of the year next year. Plus 1,200, I think you guys should get it right now before it gets even higher or lower in betting terms. So, let me know what you guys think. You guys think Cade can win most improved player of the year next year, and do you guys think he should be the favorite for most improved player of the year next year? Let me know in the comment section down below. Oh, or over on Twitter, at Hill. That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. 
hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel, leave us a five-star review, whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Enjoy. I hope you guys had a fantastic 4th of July. Until next time, peace out.